Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we begin the epilogue for Stanley's letters called Dearest Ones. And the significance of our start is that it happens on the 31st anniversary of the Silver King's death in October of 1990. And 71 years after his separation from the Army of the United States and the Air Corps in October of 1945 at Fort McPherson, Georgia. As you know, the Silver King's War is a podcast series that's based on my father, Stanley L. Silverfield, and his writing, Letters Home, called Dearest Ones, throughout his World War II service in the United States Army Air Corps from January of 1943 to October of 1945. Dearest Ones includes hundreds of letters written over almost three war years from Air Corps installations throughout North America and Europe. His story began on a train from Birmingham, Alabama to Nashville, Tennessee. He was 19. The first arc of Stanley's War, as our hero, the Silver King, began and concluded at the United States Army Air Corps Classification Headquarters in Thompson Lake, Tennessee. Over five months, he rose and fell while hoping to reach his personal goal. He wanted to be an Air Corps pilot. And his initial failure when he washed out of pilot school has to be considered in the context of the king and his war. He was riding high initially in pilot school in Lakeland, Florida. But then he crashed hard against the 75% washout rate in what he called the washing machine at the Ludwig School of Aeronautics in Lakeland, Florida, where he was learning to fly in a private installation that was under contract to the Air Corps to train pilots. And although our hero took a hard fall, he rose again. The second arc of Stanley's war began at Santa Ana Army Air Base in California and ended in Carlsbad, New Mexico at his bomber school graduation on January 15, 1944. When Stanley was 19 and beginning his war, it was a much different time and era in our world. But of course, as I've worked on the Silver King's War and the podcast series, I from time to time have paused to reflect on how my time and my era compares 
with my father, the Silver King. When I was 19, in 1967, I was a sophomore in college at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. The campus in those days was roiled with protests about the Vietnam War. And in that gap over those 24 years, it seemed from my father's war to Southeast Asia that the world, as I could see it, was spinning out of control. But of course, the Silver King and I, Stanley, my dad, never talked about his war or mine. Yet each war in our personal development was formative, and the king rode to war in the Air Corps, perhaps his greatest role ever. And while he was beginning his training at 19, I happened to appear on the front page of the Chicago Tribune and only knew that because my parents sent me a note from their home in Rockford, Illinois, which enclosed the picture from that day on the Tribune's front page. Separately, our formative years at 19 were different. My father didn't earn his pilot wings, but he became a decorated bombardier riding in the greenhouse of a B-26. My 19th year kept me busy as a sophomore, growing up, being a college man, and, of course, hoping to find my way in the world as well. Stanley turned 20 just before he washed out of pilot school in Lakeland, Florida. And before he reached 21, he was a bombardier navigator with gold bars in the Army of the United States. And the story of his rise is a remarkable and thoughtful look at one man's war. The third and final arc of Stanley's training for his war in Europe, where he traveled from bomber school in Carlsbad, New Mexico in early 1944 to Columbia Army Air Base in South Carolina for advanced training on the heavies, including the B-17, and from there to Barksdale Army Airfield in Shreveport, Louisiana, began with a big ride east with his buddies J.J. Sherry and Herb Stempler. They had three weeks to get to Columbia Army Air Base, and they made the most of that drive, including a big-time stop in Chicago. Four months after that cross-country drive, Stanley and his guys were preparing and packing for their overseas assignment and heading to their port of embarkation in New York Harbor, perhaps to ride over the ocean for the D-Day invasion, when at the last moment his commanding officer told a group of bombardiers that they were going to Barksdale Field in Shreveport, Louisiana for advanced training on the Martin Marauder, the B-26. 
And that last-minute decision and reassignment changed the course of the king's war. The king arrived at Barksdale in Shreveport, Louisiana, during the humid late summer of 1944. It was after D-Day, and the work to learn to ride in the greenhouse of a Martin Marauder was intense, and it became the final preparation before his assignment to Europe and the European Theater of Operations. As I traveled to follow the king and his war, it became apparent that he was learning so much about himself and about how he could contribute to keep the world safe for democracy. In all of that travel, through those letters, pictures, and postcards, became quite a ride for both of us, and ultimately meant his ride on the Queen Mary over the Atlantic Ocean to A-72 north of Paris, beginning in October of 1944. And now as we've reached the conclusion of Stanley's letters, Dearest Ones, we will explore through this epilogue the complete arc of the Silver King's war years, which began really in 1941 and concluded in early 1946. And this is the end of part one of the epilogue for Dearest Ones, Stanley's letters throughout the war. And you are listening to The Silver King's War. <laughs>